Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome. This is the MMA Reaction, and I'm your host, E. Koi Ivy. Uh, we're going to talk about UFC 236, uh, two world championship title fights. TJ Dillashaw gets a two-year suspension, and BJ gets a restraining order with some pretty hefty accusations. I hope you guys have a, a really good day, and I appreciate you listening. Yeah, you can tell him I got this. Haters can try, but can't stop this. Sitting up promptly, wallowing on my conscience. It's haunting with thoughts I delivered to exhaustion. Try to keep steady, and I deal with all the nonsense. I'm on a straight path, trying to be legendary. This ain't hard to be cards up in February. I know it's necessary, it's my time to counteract. I've been ready for war, I call this battle rap. UFC 236 took place this weekend. Uh, it featured two world title fights, uh, coincidentally both for interim titles. Uh, Holloway versus Poirier and uh, obviously Adesanya versus Kelvin. I'm mostly going to focus on those two fights because those were the most interesting to me. Um, first and foremost, Israel Adesanya versus Kelvin Gastelum, was a, which I found... A little bit discouraging at first because nobody seemed to think that Kelvin would be able to uh, deal with Adesanya. They, I, you know, the the general consensus was that that the last style bender was going to basically uh, beat Kelvin pretty easily, cut cut through him like butter, so to speak. And um, I felt it necessary to defend Kelvin because Kelvin's an accomplished MMA fighter in his own right. Yes, he may not have the flashy striking. He may not have the kicking game. He may not have the arsenal or the the various techniques strung together. But what he does have is incredibly crisp boxing with very very fast hands, particularly for middleweight division, and a iron chin with a lot of heart and a lot of determination. What we did discover is that Kelvin's a tough dude, very very tough guy, and he actually stood toe to toe with a guy who has the striking acumen, you know, which would appear on paper to be many levels above Kelvin's own abilities. Uh, the first, I would say, the first round, Kelvin really proved himself. He also proved that Israel could get touched. I mean, he, he definitely, uh, he got the better of the exchanges in the first round, probably the second round, too. Um, as the third round was coming around, you really started seeing Israel change the momentum in the fight, though. His ability to uh, start reading the range a lot better. The distance management was a lot better. And he started to actually figure out Kelvin's timing, which was, at the end of the day, the demise of Kelvin. Um, not to say that they both didn't have their moments throughout the fight. I think the fifth and final round was the most matter-of-fact uh, in Israel's favor. I mean, he, that, he absolutely beat the piss out of Kelvin Gastelum in that fifth round. And really, I think that's the round that won him the fight. This was not an easy fight for Israel. This was a very difficult, daunting task. And I think, to a certain respect, Israel thought that Kelvin would be an easier out than he really was. Kelvin marked Israel up. I mean, he got to him. He busted his face up, swelled up his lips, swelled up his eye, really tested Israel, bloodied his nose. We've never seen Israel in that kind of danger since he started with the UFC. So it was really good to see what Adesanya could do. One of the more discouraging things 
is that Kelvin is has a wrestling background. He didn't use it a ton. On the inverse, even when he did try to use his wrestling, Israel was able to, at the very least, get up very quickly, if not defend the takedown. So I think um, identifying Israel as just a simple striker, stand-up fighter, is not um, is not no longer no longer applicable to his his fighting acumen. Israel Adesanya is absolutely a mixed martial art, and even tried to uh, employ a couple submissions of his own, uh, albeit not great efforts, but still, um, you know, nonetheless, Israel showing that he can do some things on the ground as well. He's not just a kickboxer, although obviously his kickboxing is the key uh, to his fighting success. Uh, Israel showed great heart, he showed great determination, and he showed that he can actually fight through some adversity. Uh, we never seen I Israel struggle that much. And for him to, to really come out in that fifth round, his gas tank never wavered. He was very determined, very strong, very powerful, even up to that fifth round. I mean, that, he, I think he knocked Kelvin down four or five times. Well, I think at least three or four times in that fifth round. Very impressive stuff. Very well-deserved. And... Um, Congratulations is due to Israel for his uh, his efforts. I mean, it was an amazing fight. I mean, back and forth. I mean, the, the fight as a whole was amazing. Uh, what a great great fight with lots of drama, lots of uh, lots of things to take away, lots of memories, lots of uh, lots of really good exchanges. Uh, both men really giving it their all. Um, so next, obviously, is going to be Israel versus uh, Whitaker for the unified 185 title. Man, I have no fucking clue what to think about this fight. Um, what we do know is that Israel has some defensive liabilities that Robert Whitaker can expose um, if he chooses to do so. I think Whitaker's going to be a little bit better at mixing up the fight in terms of he's not going to make it just a kickboxing fight. I think he's got uh, a little bit more of a, a, of a wider toolbox when it comes to the, that aspect of the fight. Uh, but Israel's not going to be easy for, for Whitaker. He's going to be long. He's going to be rangy. Uh, he's gonna be he's gonna be very very tough very very tough for Whitaker to put out, but then again, Whitaker fought Ro Yoel Romero twice. You know what I mean? I mean, who else is gonna give a challenge similar to that? You know, it'll be a very interesting fight. We'll look forward to that in the future. But on the whole, amazing fight, amazing amazing fight. One that will, in my mind, is at an absolute instant classic and uh, something that you can go back and watch time and time again and pull more things from so uh, congratulations to Israel and uh, the main event was obviously Dustin Poirier versus Max Holloway N now initially going into this fight I really favored uh, Max Holloway I really believe that his his volume striking his pace his energy his presence uh, was going to be a, was going to overwhelm Dustin eventually um, and I was I was sorely proven wrong. Um, something that I didn't account for was Max Holloway's physique in general. Everyone who cuts to 145 could almost all make 155. And even uh, a couple fights before this, Max couldn't even make weight when he was going to fight, I believe, Khabib. I can't remember exactly what, what the date on that is. But when the two those two men got in the cage, Max Holloway's body just didn't look like it was built for the lightweight division. Um... Any power that he did enjoy at featherweight didn't translate to lightweight at all. But Dustin Poirier came out with exceptional boxing, and he was absolutely 
beating the piss out of Max Holloway in those first couple rounds. Those those power shots, those those significant strikes were unbelievable. It's, it's amazing that Max even withstood the onslaught for those first two rounds because Dustin was absolutely teeing off on him. Uh, Holloway, for sure, had his moments. Uh, he showed off his his crisp volume striking. His boxing is amazing, man. His ability to put fight fight or to put uh, punching and kicking combinations together is amazing, man. It's really good stuff. He's, he definitely got to Dustin. Definitely put some put some uh, hurt on him, but it was just nothing compared to what Dustin was doing to Max. Max, I just don't think he's he was prepared for the lightweight division. I think his body is is absolutely at its best at 145 pounds. And I don't think that Max would do well against a lot of lightweights uh, after seeing his fight with Dustin. I mean, obviously that's a credit to Dustin as well because Dustin put all the effort and the time. And he, I mean, he obviously worked his ass off for this uh, and was able to achieve interim title status. Um, it wasn't as if it was completely one-sided, though. I mean, Max had his moments. He, you know, he definitely did some work, but Dustin was amazing, man. He looked so good. It's the best he's ever looked, in my opinion. And um, I'm not saying that he's he's going to have much for Khabib when they fight in September, but it, it will be interesting, and then he's definitely got a chance, especially with the way motherfucking fights have gone this year. It has been so difficult to, to really predict absolute winners of any matchups this year. It's been crazy, um, at least in terms of the main card fighters. Congratulations, Dustin. We'll see what happens with Khabib. Khabib's... Still dealing with all that horse shit from when he fought uh, Connor. So we'll see what happens. Um, for Max, man, get healthy. Get your head right. Go back to 145 and keep being the dominant champion that you are at, at featherweight. Uh, for Dustin, sky's the limit, man. He's gonna he's really sets his own his own legacy and his own his own trajectory in terms of his career. Um, if he fights like he fought Holloway, man, who knows what can happen. He could he could shock the world and beat Khabib. There's nothing that says he can't do that. And he's just an all-around great fucking dude. So to see him uh, achieve achieve the the things in life that he's always said he wanted in terms of fighting, man, that's awesome. It's good news. Um, fight of the night for me for sure was was Adesanya versus Gaslam. That was an amazing fight. Um, Khalil Roundtree beats up Eric Anders, which actually was not a surprise, but damn, man, Khalil really put a striking clinic on. Dwight Graham beat Alan Joban. There, that was a, a split decision. A lot of people thought Joban won. And uh, one of the bigger shockers is Nikita Krylov, submission, rear naked chokes, uh, Ovent St. Peru, OSP. So that was a little bit surprising, too. Nobody really gave Nikita a chance. Um, so good for him. Okay, so moving on to the more, I don't know, the more uh, depressing news in mixed martial arts. Um, I talked about it last week about uh, Dillashaw testing, testing positive for something. It turns out it was EPO. Uh, so what EPO is, is it is a hormone that's actually already already created in your kidneys naturally. But what fighters will do is they'll inject themselves with EPO. And what it does is it, it increases your body's uh, production of red blood cells. So it makes your blood thicker. Well, what does that do for you in athletic competition? Man, it gives you endurance. It, it allows you to transport more oxygen, which is in your red blood cells, to all your muscles, to your lungs, so you can actually keep a pace that you wouldn't nor ordinarily be able to maintain under normal uh, levels. Now, I had mentioned that this was quite interesting, that TJ was so willing to give up his belt, 
when it first when it first broke that he he tested positive for a banned substance, TJ immediately just relinquished his belt and said, "I don't want to hold the division up," which which was a red flag to me immediately. That told me that he knew something was up. Even more interestingly interesting about that that fact is that. The t- they t- t- tested his urine for the two Cody fights, and he tested positive for EPO in both of those motherfucking fights. So, TJ Dillashaw absolutely destroyed his legacy in one test, man. And it's really, really sad, because obviously the EPO is going to help him in competition, but it doesn't. EPO is not making you the fighter that you are. It doesn't define your style. It doesn't define what you do. Now, to be fair... TJ has a very high pace, very very energetic style of fighting. So obviously EPO is going to assist him maintain that fighting style for a longer period of time, but it is still his own style. Um, it's interesting because Cody Garbrandt had been setting tweets and he had said in a press conference specifically that when TJ was with Team Alpha Male, he was, he was showing and teaching and telling other fighters about how to essentially get, get away with using EPO. Now, I'd mentioned it in the last the last project uh, podcast also that TJ is so hyper competitive that a guy like him with his mindset is willing to do whatever it takes to get to that next level. And for him, um, it was EPO. And frankly, with his mindset, with his, with his drive, with his competitive nature, it's possible that he's on a bunch of other stuff too, that he's just been able to get away with or avoid testing or whatever the case may be. Or maybe he's, you know, supplements are always just ahead of the testing usually. Uh, now, Nowitzki and USADA are getting really close to, to making that, that gap is very, very narrow now. But, uh, man, what a, what a fall, man. What a fall. Um, it's funny, too, because, you know, everybody everybody is like uh, they're Photoshopping TJ Dillashaw on giant, like, bodybuilder style, style characters, right? Like, uh, they'll put his face on, like, Phil Heath's body or something like that. Which is funny, but EPO is not an anabolic steroid, right? EPO is, is, is a, a completely different hormone than testosterone. So EPO is not designed to build your muscle up and make you a huge, giant bodybuilder. It's, like I said, it's designed to increase your red blood cells, so it helps with endurance. That doesn't mean that TJ is not on some kind of anabolic. I mean, at this point, um, you know, speculation is speculation. There's, there is a potential that he's on something else. Um, one thing that I didn't really care for was that uh, Dillashaw said out like he he put out a video and he was apologizing for his behavior, said he messed up, yada yada yada. For me personally, the last thing that I want is a goddamn apology. I don't I, I fucking hate apologies in general because if you were sorry, you wouldn't have done it in the first place. Like you, no one's ever really sorry they did something. They're sorry that they got caught because if, if TJ continued his career and just kept fighting and nobody ever found out about it and all this other horseshit, he's not going to apologize. He's not going to feel sorry. He's not sorry at all. He's the fucking champion. He's making money. He's got sponsorship deals. He's, he's got his fucking all this other business ventures. He's not sorry in the least bit. And guess what? He's not, he's not going to continue to be sorry because whether you like it or not, the fact that whether the EPO won him championships or not, I think that's debatable, right? Because he's still he's still the fighter he is. He he won himself those championships, but that EPO certainly fucking helped him. But what it also did for him is it gave him financial security, right? So now he's got houses and he's got other business ventures that are making him money supplementally. So he, you know, 
even if this ruins his fighting career, career forever, the fact that he was once a champion and, and gained the financial ventures enough to actually make money outside of fighting, for him, it still might be worth the risk to take those banned supplements because he's achieved uh, things outside of fighting that, that will be able to stabilize his life and his wife and his family. Now, again, that's all me just talking out my ass. I don't really know what his thought processes were, but um, I don't think he's sorry. That's my whole point. He's, he's not fucking sorry. I would have I would have much rathered him sit down because like he kind of like in the video that he that he provided on I think it was on Instagram is he's like he just got a shoulder surgery so he looks all swollen up he looks kind of beat up and he's sitting in this chair and he's got this he's in his arms in a sling and it's almost as if he's trying to 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 get the sympathy oh well you know my shoulder's fucked up I gotta get the other one done I'm so sorry for doing this I shouldn't have done it but just to me it just seems you know like come on dude i would have had so much more respect for that video if he just sat down and said hey man listen this is why i chose to take a risk and take the banned substance i knew what i was doing when i injected that shit in my ass cheek i knew what i was doing and i didn't give a fuck because of whatever my competitive drive my willingness to win my my fucking, uh, my, my want, my desire to, to achieve things outside of fighting. This was something that was going to help. I mean, who the fuck knows? But I would have had way more respect if he said, hey, man, this is what I did. And that's it. Um, I'm not sorry about it. I, I'm, it's unfortunate that I decided to take EPO or take a banned substance. But I'm not, I'm not sorry I did it. Because I don't believe he is. I don't believe any fighter is really sorry that they took a supplement that's banned. You know, all these guys in this arena, in this industry, are just looking for an edge, man. They're looking for anything that's going to help them. And some guys take the more honest route, and some guys take the less honest route. This is a less honest route. It is a banned substance. It's against the rules, and you shouldn't have done it in the first place. Now, there's a whole bunch of arguments that would that would argue what should and shouldn't be allowed because fighters and athletes they're allowed to do a lot of shit that's questionable it's just a matter of what's the most questionable you know what i'm saying so i don't know what they're gonna do i don't know if they're gonna overturn overturn the cody garbrandt fights uh cody went off on twitter talking about uh all his losses are from fucking cheaters and all this yada yada i was actually kind of funny because i was thinking like damn dude just be you got knocked out like it wasn't just the the fact that your opponents were on were on some kind of bad supplement i mean you got fucking knocked out and then it was funny because tj or i'm sorry cody garbrandt then submits a tweets out a tweet it goes also i fought like a dumbass which is actually pretty pretty honest and pretty funny kind of for me it was like oh okay cody garbrandt gets it man he gets he gets it and it was it was i don't know if someone was reading his tweets and then guided him to retweet something like that or if he recognized it and said hey man i need to, i need to let them know that i understand that that the way i chose to fight in those particular fights was dumb as fuck uh and then i guess with the with the tj fights a little less dumb fuck than the last one with pedro where he just you know decided to have a slugfest and got knocked out so interesting developments with with tj he's not eligible to fight until january of 2021 <sighs> that, let's talk about the implications of that. That's two years of non-competition, and and it's arguable that T.J. Dillashaw is in his prime right now. He's he's a motherfucking prime fighter right now. 
and he just lost two years of his best years, two years of his premier physical physique. Like, like he's at the the, the, the top of that motherfucking mountain. He's not going to be able to fight for two years. He's never going to be the same guy, ever. He's never going to be the same guy. It's very interesting. It's 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 that's sad. That's the saddest thing. And then and then you got to think about all the people that help TJ. You have Sam Calavita, who's a strength and conditioning and nutrition coach. You got Dwayne Bug, uh, Dwayne Bang Ludwig, who is his head coach. He's the one that changed and manipulated TJ's career. And there's more speculation that maybe Dwayne is the one that led him to this path for EPO in the first place, right? He's the one that that uh, formulated his new style and his new way of fighting. TJ, if you look at Team Alpha Male TJ and Dwayne Bang Ludwig TJ, there are some pretty pretty deep contrasts in the way his physique looks, the way his fighting style is, everything. And now, obviously, there's a, a physical transformation because of TJ just getting older, stronger, bigger, faster, training harder. But there's it, it is a pretty pretty steep contrast where uh, you know you might you might put some skeptical skeptical eyes on what's going on. I mean, especially now. Uh, that that you see that he's been using that banned supplement uh, banned substance for a while, so um, TJ's legacy is fucked forever, man. He's never gonna get it back. Uh, it's it's really unfortunate, but man, that's how it goes sometimes with these guys. And if you notice, like these top top guys in in mixed martial arts, they that man they are going down. That there's always they always seem to get caught up on something. Um, so. Who knows what the fuck's gonna happen now, and who knows what kind of fighter TJ will be when he gets back? But, or or even if his coaching, like maybe maybe Dwayne didn't know, maybe Sam didn't know. I find it suspiciously convenient for them to not know anything, though. I mean, you, you're so close with that guy, Dwayne. Dwayne and and TJ are like fucking brothers or father and son or you know big brother, little brother. I mean. It just to me, it seems uh, it's very unlikely that Dwayne didn't know something was going on or didn't assist him. And also, you got to remember that this is an injectable substance, which means that there is no chance, zero possibility, of this being a tainted supplement situation, like we have seen in the past. That's been proven that it is a supplement situation. This is a injectable, which means that there is no possibility that TJ could have not known what was going on. His body. He knew exactly what he was doing. Um, and again, this just comes back to his mentality, man. He's so fucking competitive. And, um, you know, when you're the type of person that, that cannot lose, you cannot fucking lose. You have to win. Uh, you, you, you start getting in your own head and you start thinking of, you start thinking, well, I'll just, I'll just do this. I have to do this. I can't lose. And so it's, it's almost like your mentality gets ahead of yourself. And, and now you're, you're paying the most severe of consequences. So, um, Going forward, man, I, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Bantamweight division's changed forever, um, and we'll probably never see TJ in that kind of position. I would, I would be, I would be completely shocked if somehow TJ climbs his way back up to that that mountain and becomes champion of the bantamweight, bantamweight division again. I would, I would be absolutely shocked. And then think about the fights we're never going to see now. So. Man, crazy stuff, uh, disappointing stuff. It's definitely a black eye in mixed martial arts because this, these things keep continually happening. And a lot of that is because USADA, right? Because if you look at the other big three sports, whether it's football, basketball, or hockey, or fucking baseball, or whatever it is, these are all self-policed organizations, which means that they get to choose when they don't and do report things. They get to control 
NFL controls the time and dates of all testing. In mixed martial arts, dude, it might be four in the morning and some fucking pencil neck dude knocks on your door and asks for a piss sample. I mean, this is why we're catching all these guys. So it's, it's not, these kind of test results are not isolated to mixed martial arts. They are isolated to the fact that USADA's testing procedures are fucking legit in terms of catching people. And that's really what it comes down to. Um, if they had like a USADA esque style uh, testing pool for like the NFL or the NBA or the MLB or whatever, you would be seeing similar things. Similar, similar things, I think. So it's a bummer, man. It's a, it's a fucking bummer. Uh, speaking of bummers, uh, MMA legend BJ Penn. Uh, apparently he's got some kind of restraining order against him. He's going through a separation with his partner, which is uh, never a good situation. Uh, but the his his ex or separated partner is now claiming uh, domestic abuse allegations. Uh, BJ released a statement, basically said that he's going through a messy fucking separation, and she's lying. Uh, there were there were uh, implications of threats, verbal, physical abuse, sexual coercion uh, in the course of their relationship. So. You know, it's, 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 like I said before, we've had these podcasts before where the fucking media loves to smear MMA fighters because they already think that these dudes, they don't really see these dudes as supreme athletes. They see them as fucking barbaric, fucking anger management kind of fucking dudes. So they love this shit. They love, they eat this stuff up and they want to put it all over fucking news about MMA fighters, you know, being hopped up on steroids and being ultra aggressive and woman beaters and all this other horse shit. And so this is no different. You got you got a very recognizable name in in MMA with BJ Penn, who's who's a fucking legend. He's going through whatever he's going through, and now we got allegations of of physical and sexual abuse. It's a, that's a real fucking problem, man. And uh, I mean, we don't know any of the details of his relationship, and we shouldn't know, frankly. We should. We, that's none of our business. Um, if they actually have evidence and bring evidence forward and say, hey, this actually happened, that's one thing, okay? But just because one half of a separating couple says that things happen, that doesn't make it matter of fact. And I think that we need to take all these, all this information with a grain of salt and wait till the actual evidence result and everything else comes through. That's what I think. I think we should, you know, we're, we live in this culture where we're so, we're so quick to jump to conclusions and, and we, we, we love the drama. We want to talk shit all the time. But in reality, man, it's, it's not really fair to to the the subject of 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 the 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 article you're reading it's we need to we need to be objective and and unbiased and and um wait for wait for the actual real information to come out so uh that's unfortunate and and hopefully hopefully none of this becomes founded information and uh bj gets uh, absolved of any wrongdoing that's my hope okay guys that was the conclusion of this motherfucking episode. Uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, or statements, you can always hit me up at the MMA reaction at gmail.com, or you can find me on Instagram at the underscore MMA underscore reaction. I look forward to uh, hearing from you guys, and have a good motherfucking day. Greatness is the recipe Work harder than each and all of you Can't you see and gotta prove you're wrong